Well, there goes another bank holiday weekend. I've heard you had some rain down in the south of the United Kingdom, but here in Yorkshire the weather was absolutely beautiful. Blame it all on global warming. This is Anthony Day, and here are some more thoughts on sustainable business. I'd like to start with a quote from that baseball player Yogi Berra, who said, This is just like deja vu all over again. Yes, it's the oil price all over again. But I'll talk about that in a moment. This week the government has announced that it's going to strengthen consumer protection. But let's talk first about personal carbon trading. I've mentioned personal carbon trading in some of my workshops and seminars, although not very recently because it seemed to me that this whole idea was disappearing from view. What does it amount to? Well, personal carbon trading means that everybody gets a carbon allowance. It'll probably be administered through something like a credit card. And then if you go and pay for your electricity bill, your gas bill, or you go and buy petrol, or you book a flight, you'll pay for it in the normal way with your credit card, but you'll also have to pay a certain amount of carbon with your carbon card. That's fine because you'll be given an allowance. But if you haven't got enough, then you will have to buy more carbon credits. And the people who support the scheme say that that's great because people who don't use very much carbon will be able to sell their credits to people who want to take these long-haul flights or drive big cars. The report was published today by the Environmental Audit Committee of MPs, but it wasn't particularly well received by the government. They said they'd already looked into this, and they pointed out that the report said that to implement personal carbon trading would cost between £700 million and £2 billion, and would cost between £1 and £2 billion a year to manage. Well, of course... The argument is that it's worth doing this because it will reduce the amount of carbon which people emit. Because the amount of carbon credits will be reduced year by year and therefore people will not be able, will not be allowed to do the things which cause all these carbon emissions. Low-income families who don't burn much fuel or drive many miles and will have surplus carbon credits will be able to sell them and this will be a source of income for them. At least that's the theory. But as I say the government is not very keen on this and the government has its own ideas as to how it's going to ensure that the country meets its carbon emission targets under Kyoto and the other treaties which will follow on. Today they announced that they're going to follow the German pattern and they're going to increase subsidies for microgeneration. In other words, if you want to put a solar panel on your roof or a microgenerator, a wind turbine, on your chimney, then they're looking at giving you subsidies so that it becomes more of an economic proposition. Not only that, they're going to introduce a feed-in tariff. Now what does that mean? Well, at the moment, if you generate surplus power, you can sell it back to the grid. But you can't sell it for very much. Typically, le a lot less than you actually pay to get electricity from the grid. For one thing, of course, you have to pay VAT to your supplier, and you can't charge VAT back to your supplier. So what they're looking at is quadrupling the price you can get 
four times as much so that it becomes a well it becomes a realistic income perhaps and helps the payback I did say at the start of this tape that the government was going to tighten up consumer protection what they're trying to do is to get rid of misleading business offers and things like that one of the things they said is that fortune tellers clairvoyants and so on will have to clearly state to their clients that their services are for entertainment only I do think that this should be extended to people who sell solar panels and micro wind generators honestly certainly as far as micro wind generators are concerned they don't work they just don't work not in the vast majority of circumstances if you live in a tall building on a cliff edge you will probably have sufficient wind speed to make sure that your turbine is turning at a rate which will provide a significant amount of electricity but if you're living in town and you have a small turbine on your roof the chances of it actually producing a significant amount of electricity are negligible the typical unit that you can buy from your local DIY store will perhaps produce a surplus of about £10 worth of electricity perhaps but even if you multiply that by four that doesn't go particularly far towards the £1200 cost of installing the thing in the first place and these things have to be manufactured and I'm afraid a lot of people a lot of governments a lot of politicians overlook the whole life cost the whole life carbon emissions in other words if you're going to build if you're going to build a micro generator first of all you need a steel pipe or a steel rod to, to fix it on steel of course is made from iron which has to be dug up which has to be processed which has to be melted which has to be forged and whatever and all of these processes involve energy and involve the emission of carbon dioxide then you've got to do the metal work or, or the plastics to produce the rotors then there is the mechanism the dynamo inside which involves the creation of lots of copper wire mining the copper refining it turning it into wire winding it onto an armature and so on and then the magnets special steels and all that sort of thing and the cables and then the energy actually involved in transporting it well need I go on the point is that the amount of energy which your windmill on the top of your roof is going to produce is not even going to offset the energy that went in to making it so I'm unfortunately very cynical and skeptical about what the government is trying to do as was pointed out this morning they are still building airports they are still building roads and they're talking about building coal-fired power stations anyway what does all this mean for your business well if they do go ahead if they do go ahead with personal carbon trading it means that every point of sale will either have to have two tills or will be able to accept two separate types of card of course people say well the supermarkets do it they have their loyalty cards as well as their cash cards yes but loyalty points are going to be very different from carbon credits carbon credits will have a value possibly quite a high value 
And the other thing that's got to be done is they're going to have to be monitored, accounted for. You can end up having two parallel accounting systems, one for the money, one for the carbon. It doesn't really bear thinking about, does it? So what I would say is if this raises its head, as business people, we should strongly oppose it. And back to the oil price. Well, the last time I recorded a podcast, I was complaining about the fact that oil was pushing $120 a barrel. And that was only earlier this month. In the last week, it's gone beyond $137 a barrel. So the question is, will it go down? Will it go up? How far up will it go? And that reminds me of another quotation. Apparently it was Niels Bohr, an atomic physicist, who said, Prediction is very difficult, especially if it's about the future. I don't think we can argue with him about that. So what's driven the oil price up, and how far up is it going to go? I don't think the oil price has gone up because people think that oil is running out. You may well have heard me say that I think oil is running out, in the fullness of time, but a lot sooner than a lot of people realise. I think that oil has gone up partly because people notice that there is a short-term supply problem. And that uh, has been exacerbated by the Grangemouth events which occurred a few weeks ago when the North Sea pipelines had to be closed. And it's also been exacerbated by a certain amount of refinery shortages. Then there are people who are coming into the market to speculate who want to see if they can make a killing on the price of oil. The dollar has become quite a weak currency recently, and obviously the producers will want more dollars if the dollar is weak. But how far will it go up? Lots and lots of figures are banded around. People are saying, oh, $200 by the end of the year. Maybe. But I wouldn't be at all surprised to see the price of oil come down, at least temporarily. There's all sorts of conflicting factors in there. But the one thing I would say is that it's my firm belief that the long-term trend is up and the trend is going to go up much more quickly than we've ever seen in the past. Because after all, for most of the 20th century, it was at about the same price. It was only a very, very slow and steady increase. In real terms, not much at all. So, for the next 12 months, we're going to experience more expensive petrol, more expensive diesel, and of course that affects all the products that we eat, use or wear, all the products, all the raw materials that we use in our businesses. Within five years, well, yes, I could say it's anybody's guess, but within five years I'm quite sure that oil will be much more expensive than it is now. In five years, $300 a barrel? It's worth sitting down and saying, if oil is $300 a barrel in five years' time, what does that do to your particular business? Every business is different. But if you're in tourism, for example, and people have to travel to your location, are they going to be able to afford to do it? Airlines, of course, are affected. Airlines have already reacted. BA was um, saying that they are abandoning fuel surcharges, which on the face of it sounds to be fantastic. But in fact, what they're saying is they're not going to have fuel surcharges anymore. They're just going to put the fares up. One third of an airline's costs 
is fuel. And given that aviation fuel bears little or probably no tax, then an increase in oil goes straight in to the price of aviation spirit. Unlike petrol and diesel that we have here in the UK, because there is a fixed chunk of excise duty, which is 50.35 pence per litre, regardless of the price of the litre. So when um, oil goes up, the tax doesn't go up. One American airline is grounding 70 of its older and less fuel-efficient planes. Another airline is beginning to charge for hold baggage. So in five years' time, what effect would $300 a barrel have on your business? And in ten years' time, what will it be then? Will your business model still be viable? That's a key question. Yes, I'm afraid it's difficult to predict, but there always was uncertainty, and we as business people have to look and see what we can do to reduce uncertainty. And one way of doing that is to look at various different scenarios. Even though we may not be able to tell which is the most likely, at least we can prepare to deal with whichever scenario turns out to be reality. As Yogi Berra said on another occasion, when you come to a fork in the road, take it. Right, well I think that's enough for this bank holiday evening. I'm going to sign off now and I'm going to go and have my last bottle of that uh, carbon neutral beer. Many thanks to Adnams for the free samples. I shall have to go out and stock up with some more. Hope you had a great weekend, and I look forward to talking to you before too long about sustainable business. But if you want to talk to me in the short term, my phone number, my direct line, is 07803 616 877. I shall be in London at the end of next month, at the end of June, where I shall be presenting Best Practice for Environmental Champions at the Low Carbon Innovations Exchange, and maybe I'll see you there. If not, at one of the other events around the country which I'm involved in. This is Anthony Day. Bye for now.